Hello, Hello world. Welcome to episode two of the Conscious Cuts, the podcast where we keep it real about sustainability in life and style. Bringing you our point of view as women of color every first Wednesday of the month. We are your hosts, Jalisa and me. Thanks everybody for joining us. Our special guest today is sustainability consultant, Kimmy Klassen, which I'm super, super excited to chat with. I connected with her about a year or so ago on Instagram, and we, ha- we haven't actually met in person yet, which is so crazy, but we're such kindred spirits. And I remember a time when I was really, really struggling in, in my journey, having this conversation with you, Kenny, about my mission and the work that I'm doing and how to bring that about and in, in, into the world in a way that's authentic to who I am and the way that I operate. And you said something, uh, I wish I could remember verbatim what you said, but it was something to the effect of my message is so much bigger than me. So I need to get out of my own way kind of thing. And that has stuck with me from, from that day on. And so every time that I get into a point where I feel like, is anyone even going to pay attention to this? Or I'm super critical of myself. Those words pop up into my head. So that, like, I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for your perspective and your work and you sticking to that. And so I think you have a lot that we all can learn from. And I'm super excited to share that with the world here today. And I'll let you go ahead and and introduce yourself and kind of the work that you do in your own words. Wow, thank you. I'm so glad you remember that, that I love that. I said that, hey? You did. (laughs) I said that. (laughs) I I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Thanks for remembering. And so, yeah, my name is Kim Clausen, sometimes Kimmy, if I'm on social media and if people are, feel really endearing towards me. My pronouns are she, her, and I identify as a Caucasian Canadian. I grew up in the middle of Canada in the prairies and then promptly after high school moved to the mountains and fell in love. And then when I was 19, I had a boyfriend who basically burst my bubble about the ways of the world and he told me, that there was bad people doing bad things to the planet. And I grew up in the country. So the nature around me meant a lot to me. And I just was shocked. I couldn't believe that there was things happening to the planet that were going to put it into peril. And from that day on, I struggled for the next probably three or four years with how to deal with that information and what I was going to do about it. And then, um, cause back then, there was, that was about in 93, 1993, 94. And there wasn't a lot of, um, community around environmentalism. But, uh, shortly after, about four years after I found a program, it was called Integrated Environmental Planning Technology. And I took that program as a two year program at the college, local college. And that just propelled me forward for sure. I loved talking with people about the issues. I loved working with, with them on them. And that just started my whole career. And I got a BSc in environmental science and I worked in oil and gas. I realized I didn't want to clean up messes while we were still making them. So I changed my trajectory and got a, a master's in environmental education and communication because I wanted to be proactive and be more on the sustainability side of things. But uh, when I graduated 
in 2008, the, um, the whole economy had collapsed and there wasn't a lot of jobs and the jobs that there were, I was not really in love with them because they weren't really getting at the heart of the matter. And so, yeah, from there, I started to develop my own business. Do you want to hear more about my business? Yes, please <laughs> keep going. I'm like, your your story is so inspiring. <laughs> I, yeah, I, please keep keep going. Okay, so what happened was uh, they weren't getting at the heart of the matter. And for me, after all the schooling that I did, I didn't feel like the main issue to our problem was being addressed. So for me, I thought that, you know, if you weren't right on the inside, you weren't going to get it right on the outside. Because for me, I had been learning about environmentalism. I had been developing my environmental values for so many years already. And I knew what the right things to do were. I knew that you had to reduce and repurpose and recycle. And I knew that you had to bring your own mug. And like, this was a while back, right? So <laughs> things were different back then. Even back then, the, you know, the solution to eat less meat or eat no meat to mm-hmm. drastically reduce your ecological footprint was not really talked about or an option back then. So, um, yeah, so I was doing, trying to do all these things on the outside and, you know, volunteer and do the right work and everything. And I found that I was kind of always on the outside of things. I was always sacrificing. I was, um, having a little bit of FOMO from the people that were just out there, you know, living it up with life because I was trying to live by my values. And at the same time, there was like a deep contradiction within myself with trying to live my values, but also not feeling good on the inside, which is like my emotions, the way I thought about myself in the world. It wasn't right. I wasn't empowered. I wasn't confident. I wasn't in love with myself. And as a result, it was so much harder to overcome the temptations of the world around me to consume primarily, to like primarily consume. I remember one time going on a Saturday with my girlfriend. She said, let's hang out on Saturday. I said, okay. So she's like, let's go shopping. Like <laughs> I said, okay. Mm-hmm. And that was our activity to hang out together was to go shopping, to consume. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I was working in oil and gas, I was cleaning up, I was remediating and reclaiming well sites. So I was on the cleanup end of things, making things better and giving the land back to the landowners. So I knew better. I knew that like when I'm shopping, I want to look at the tags. This was back when you needed to look at the tags and all you needed to do is make sure it didn't come from China. That was <laughs> what everyone was saying. Just make sure it doesn't come from China and then you know it's okay produced. Yeah. Um, so I was consciously in quotations shopping with her in that way, but still it was our activity to go shopping and it just didn't feel good. It didn't sit right with me, but I couldn't overcome the temptation because I wasn't right with myself. I needed something from the outside to make myself feel better on the inside. Mm -hmm. And so that really started something inside of me that like this deep contradiction that I'm trying to live environmentally friendly on the outside but I'm having such a hard time with it and it's feeling like such a sacrifice and I'm missing out on everything so when I graduated with my master's and I was all like had things all kind of figured out like we need more (laughs) love and consciousness in the planet like really Mm -hmm. that's the answer to all our problems there was no jobs like that so as I was you know looking for jobs I was also trying to figure it out on my own well what is sustainability And John Elkington coined the term people, planet, profit, Mm -hmm. um, the triple bottom line. And so I looked at, well, what is people? And I thought, people, if we were more conscious and aware of ourselves and the way we are in the world, then we would 
we would know the impact that we're having. And what is planet? If we were more connected to the planet, just like we are with our best friend, we take care of our best friend. We love them. We give them extra. And when we're having a hard day, we can still give them extra because they're our best friend. But for strangers out there that we don't know that we're not connected with, it's so much more of a challenge. It's called volunteer work or um, <laughs> it's just is so much more, right? But if we get connected with the planet and people start spending more time in nature and realizing the value of it just for their own mental health and well-being, mm-hmm. then they start to really care for it and love it and make make choices that are going to not negatively impact it. So we need to get connected. And then what is it about, um, money and profit? And I looked at it. Well, that's just our consumption. So if we are getting conscious and we're getting connected, then we're automatically going to consume better and differently. And I was like, wow, that like is automatically just the three C's of sustainability. There we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, consciousness, connection and consumption. There we go. That is a methodology for living a more sustainable lifestyle. That's something you can actually put into action. So with consciousness, I really ask people um, to figure out what it is um, within themselves that is holding them back from being their best selves. Because really what we want to do is we want to be able to cope with our, with our own emotions and we want to be able to cope with the way the world is on the outside mm-hmm. because we don't want to have burnout. So environmentalists and activists, they often, you know, get overwhelmed. It's, there's a thing called eco-anxiety now. There's a whole name mm-hmm. to it, a whole philosophy around it. Um, there's a whole philosophy around burnout because you're giving your all. You care so much. All of us care so much. Yeah. We're super sensitive to all of this. And so we need a way to cope. And so we have to get ourselves figured out on the inside. This is why I said years ago, over a decade ago, I started saying, I believe in sustainable happiness because it's hard to save the world on a bad day. Yes, this right here. That last, <laughs> that last sentence, that's the perfect segue into mm-hmm. one of our first questions mm-hmm. for you. We talked a little bit already about what piqued your interest initially in sustainability and what got you on a path to be more aware of your ecological footprint. But what is it that helps you continue on this path when, when you're having a bad day or when you don't feel the greater? So like I was saying earlier, you, you lose sight of the fact that the message is bigger than you and you, you start to get over, overwhelmed by everything. Like, what is it that keeps you going? So, you know, I take my own medicine. This is how it all started is because I needed that myself. When I went into my BSC, um, I was a tree planner for many summers and I went into my BSC after and on in September after a summer of tree planting. And it was a really intense transition. For one, I didn't feel confident to be in a academic program like that. I never thought I was smart enough to go to school in that way. And, um, when I got there, it was in a, it was an environmental science program and the, it was a 12 month program that was an intense program. It was 24 classes and one major project in 12 months. So everything was super fast paced. (laughs) And the, so it was in quarters. So the first quarter, three months was all really about when I look back on it now, all they did was just break us down. They just gave us all the bad news about everything. And it sent me into such a tailspin depression Mm. 
it was so incredible. I was struggling just to stay above water, to keep getting to class, to keep my grades like at an average level and just to survive it all. And it was really intense for me. It got so intense that my mom was like, you need to go see a therapist. And so I did. Um, the first session I was there, all she did was just put me on pills. She just oh, put me on some medication. And that was the last therapy session I had with her. But I took the pills because I didn't know what to do. I wasn't educated in mental health at that time. And um, to be fair, they actually helped. Within a few days, I started to feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, well, this was just literally a chemical imbalance in my body. And now it's I'm getting the right dosage of things and it's getting it up to speed. And so I had three months of like intense stuff. I'm going to have three months of this medication and then I'm going to go off of it. And that's exactly what happened. But so I know what it feels like to get so down about things Mm -hmm. that you you can't see through. And I've got so many young kids, especially coming to me now, asking me how to deal with the depression, how to deal with the anxiety about the world and their future. And it's profoundly, it's a huge shift in our evolution that we have to address. So this is why I do the work that I do. This is why I do the inside work. And so what my number one tip is, is to go back to you, go back inside. Because just like when you're on the plane and they say, you need to put your oxygen mask on first before you can take care of anyone else. Mm-hmm. It's the same for activists trying to, you know, be the change and change and heal our planet. We need to heal ourselves first. And when we're the light on the inside, when we're feeling confident with ourselves, when we have like at least half the love for ourselves that we're capable of, when we feel empowered, then we're unstoppable and things can come in front of us and we see it as an exciting opportunity. And it's a challenge to make an opportunity from. It's not like a big wall in front of us that just stops us and says, this is insurmountable because then we're not going to make the changes that are required. So I just say, go back inwards and take the time, take the time out to to do your inner work. And it's different for everyone. But the main one that I found that really works for me over the years um, is reprogramming. So it's uh, when you're in meditation, you want to go in and start telling stories uh, to get your needs met as a child or even as an adult, but as a child to literally rewire your brain so that you don't have default modes in your brain that are not serving you as the human you want to be now and the change that you want to be in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's really that simple, but there are guided meditations. This is what I, this is the work that I do inside the sustainability theorem with my clients. Um, and it's what we start with first. We start with what is your story? What is your life story? So that we, I, first of all, I can get to know you but also we can start to learn where those spots are that are blocks for you from getting out there, from taking action, from, you know, doing something that's a bit scary on the edge or on outside of your comfort zone, but you know, aligns with your values and you know, it's a a good idea and you really want to do it. So, yeah. So, um, that's what I, that's where I start with people. But in the end, it's to take you through. I didn't tell you what the last C of the sustainability theorem is and it's communication. Because back in the day, I started to teach uh, public speaking and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. 
Um, it all started because I, I had my own radio show and I was very surprised that I actually enjoyed the rush of it. You know, you're so nervous to start before the episode starts, before you go on air live. So nervous. And then you get into it and you're just making magic because you're interviewing all these amazing people who are out there educating other people and you're making an impact and it's having an effect. And then you get out, out of it and it's such a rush. So then I was like, public speaking, like, not a lot of people will put themselves out there and public speak and change the world. And I thought, maybe I can do this. So I started teaching public speaking to learn about it, but then to also help myself and others get better at it. And as going through that, I realized like this is the last C of the sustainability theorem. We need to, once we're like conscious and aware, once we are connected, and we're consuming differently, we've done so much work, we need to get out there and start communicating it with other people. And we need to feel confident and empowered to communicate. So let's say you're at a conference and somebody's up on stage and they, you know, shout out to the crowd, anyone got an idea for this or any, what, what's your experience with that? And you have something so inside that's burning and you want to get it out, but you're so afraid there's like 2000 people in the audience or even 200 or 20. And you don't want to do it because you've got your own limiting beliefs about like how um, intelligent you are, how good you might sound, how, you know, how smart you are on this one topic. Um, but meanwhile, it's your passion, it's your voice, it's your intention, and it's your ideas. They might be crazy ideas, but they also might be really good ideas. And no inventor ever made something, you know, off of their first idea. They had to reiterate and reiterate and reiterate. So we need people to be super confident and empowered to get up, stand up, put their hand up and say, I have something to say. I have an idea and share with people because that's what's going to get us out of this mess. So. Yeah, that is what I start with. I start with like when people tell me like that they're anxious or feeling depressed, I say, okay, then it's time to take a time out. Like you can't do the outside work right now. You have to take care of you. You're number one and you are the change. So you need to nurture you for a while. And I swear, if you really just give into it, if you just like settle into that and let go of the expectation of yourself to do the work outside with people and the planet, and if you just go inwards and you really sink into that, it's so much quicker that you can get back out there into the world and doing all the things. But you have to surrender to it and you have to do your inside work. Wow. Yeah, I agree. Um, Jaleesa and I actually had a conversation about that where we had to, you know, we assess what was important to us in our own personal journey. And I think we both came to agreement that, you know, the, the inner self, the, the mental health is the most important thing first. And I'm really glad to hear that is part of your uh, sustainability theorem and that your program that we have to look within ourselves first to ask what it is we want and what it is that we need before we can actually go out there and try to save the world. Beautiful. Yes, absolutely. This is pure gold, Gibby. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I love talking to you and talking to me because Aww. it's such a man. We just need to have more of these kinds of conversations and more people that are passionate about this work. And to your point, when they get to the point of doing the healing and the understanding within their own selves of who they are and what they want to do to, to be confident enough to get out there and to do it and to have friends like you both that help to keep themselves out of their own way right um, absolutely 
and to rely on that that confidence and the 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 knowledge and the wisdom that we've gained along our journeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, absolutely. You said it perfectly. Keeping yourself out of your own way. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, the next question that we have for you is what is the number one tip that you would give to someone who's just starting their journey in sustainability, understanding what that word means to them, right? Because like you said, it's, it's different for every, for everyone. Like what works for me may not work for you, may not work for me, it may not work for the people listening. So what mm-hmm. is one thing that you would say to make someone not feel so overcome with fear or not knowing where to start to even begin to become mm-hmm. sustainable? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say just one, but I guess if I had to, I would say wake up curious. Oh, I love that. Just wake up curious. And, you know, the learning is never done. I still to get overwhelmed with all the information. I mean, there's so many different ways you can go now with environmentalism. Um, there's the plastic problem. There's the, you know, the toxicity problem from all different kinds of industries. There's the climate change problem. There's the air pollution problem. There's the all, there's just a lot of problems. (laughs) (laughs) So it gets overwhelming. Um, but I would say wake up curious and just, you know, be open to receiving information in any which way. Um, I would also say that if you're trying to find a direction to take, like a focus to, to have, because it is overwhelming for you and you say you just want to focus on, um, plastic, or if you just want to focus on toxins in our environment, the way that you're going to learn how to know how, which one is for you that you're going to be the most passionate about and that's going to take you for a little ride that you're going to have an impact on, I would say, what is it that, what kind of books are you drawn to? What is mostly in your stack of books? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also say, who are the people that are most interesting to you and what it is about them that is interesting to you? Mm. Once you're get, once you're in the space and you're looking at all the, the kinds of books in environmentalism and sustainability and you're looking at all the kinds of people in environmentalism and sustainability by staying curious and Mm -hmm. just being open to hearing it all and learning it all for a while, then start to just notice which ones am I really drawn to? Which books have I bought? Have I bought all the different kinds of books? In which case, like, then you know, which is totally cool. You're a generalist. We need more generalists. My (laughs) professor told me this in school and I was so relieved because I am. I'm like an inch deep, a mile wide girl. I want to know it all. <laughs> I want to know the the hottest top tips of everything of all of it. I don't necessarily want to take one thing and go super deep with it for the mm-hmm. rest of my life. Um, but I think that's good. And I think he's right. It's been resonating with me more and more over the years that we do need more generalists. Why? Because we have a global world now. Mm-hmm. everything's happening globally. We've got so many different kinds of people, so many different kinds of um, ecosystems and systems that we need to, somebody needs to be able to see the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So if you are in a, a generalist, knowing that helps you not get overwhelmed. If you are interested in a little bit about everything mm-hmm. and you know you're a generalist, that's perfect. You start to connect the dots and you can see patterns over the bigger picture 
and you network over the bigger picture and you start connecting people in tech with ecosystem restoration and you start making really cool things happen. But if you are specific, by gosh, of course we need that. Look at what I was doing when I was in oil and gas. I was reclaiming and remediating, reclaiming well sites. So that is a very specific task. And for me personally, because of the way I am, it got really boring because once you've seen one well site and you've gotten all the junk out of there or re- reprocessed it and reclaimed it and everything and put it back to normal, you've, you've done it. Like they're all just postage stamps. They're all pretty much the same and they all fall under the same guidelines. You fill out the same form to submit to the government to get the lease turned back to the landowner. So, but we need that. We need people still cleaning up messes just because it wasn't something I wanted to do. I'm super grateful for the people that are out there doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just, I guess, wake up curious, figure out, like, listen to all the information and start to filter it and realize which one you are. Am I somebody who's really specific or am I somebody who's really general? And then, you know, stay in that lane to be able to get good at it and gain your confidence and have something to offer and be the change. I could just talk to you both for forever. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, this is great. It's all my favorite things. It's all my favorite things in one conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and you just have so much wisdom and so much experience and it's so needed, you know, to, to share that with the world and especially for people who are trying to find, find their way in it all. Um, yeah, beautiful. That they're not alone. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You're definitely not alone. And I feel like a lot of people feel like they are. Um, but you know, it's, it's amazing how underutilized social media is, uh, especially Instagram. I'm on Instagram a lot and, I find that when I reach out to people and ask them to have a conversation with me, they're quite shocked (laughs) and like, what? Like really talk, like have a call. And some people say, no, we'll just chat here on message. Uh, Okay. That's fine. Um, Then I start sending them voice notes, but uh, most people are just, (laughs) just shocked and so excited. And then you create friends in your network of environmentalism and activism all over the world. And I don't know why more people aren't using it. It's so amazing. You can have group chats, you can have group video chats and even just the one-on-ones. I mean, that's for me, the favorite is the one-on-ones because you can go really deep with people. And Mm. I have people all over the world that I talk to and it's so warming and we need to spread this, right? We need to grow. We need to grow our critical mass because I've heard critical mass is anywhere from 12 to 18%. And when you have 12 to 18% of the population believing in something or doing something, then you have critical mass. And that's when the flip happens, the actual change happens. Mm -hmm. So if we can keep having these conversations and keep talking with people and not being insecure about what we do or don't know or how intelligent we sound, but just really knowing that our intentions and our passion is the wisdom that we hold to make the change, that alone is going to propel us forward at least 80%. So knowing the details of things, of why climate change is the way it is and how many parts per million and all that, it's really cool. And it, it, you know, makes people think that you're really smart. But at the same time, if you're just really speaking from the heart 
and saying how things are impacting you on a personal level and then relating that to other people, then it's going to have an impact and you're going to connect with them. Mm -hmm. And that's why I, we go into the story. We need to know our own personal story to know where we come from, where we are now, where we want to go and all the things that happen in between, because that's how we connect with other people. It's through story and it's through sharing our own personal personal lives, the things that have happened, the episodes, the excitements, the adventures, the fails, all of that is what's connecting us to other people. My dog's drinking water in the background. Oh, I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like social media is super underutilized. And, um, you know, if you're really starting to get into it, wake up curious and just start asking people if they'll have conversations with you and meeting with them. It's free on Instagram mm -hmm. and the video quality is amazing. And you have this beautiful connection with somebody and you've learned so much. Yeah, I can't agree with that more. And I'm so thankful that you have that mindset because that's exactly how we yeah. met and created exactly. our, our um, digital relationship. <laughs> Once COVID is over, I really hope that we can meet in person because you're not that far. I can't wait. <laughs> so for anyone that's listening and is super jazzed about starting their sustainability journey or just... Uh, being more curious, right? Mm -hmm. How can they work with you? How do they get mm -hmm. in touch with you? I know you're on Instagram a lot, but drop all the info so people can connect with you more and learn more about you and become a super cool digital friend. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. yeah so I'm on Instagram mostly at Kimmy Clausen. So K-I-M-M-Y-K-L-A-S-S-E-N. And then my website is kimclawson.earth. And that's a good place to go check out my about section and hear more of my story and learn more about the sustainability theorem. And there's some cool freebies on there. The one that people like the most right now is a sustainable happiness in your ecological footprint. Mm. It's the nine keys to happiness that happy people all over the world practice, regardless of race, religion, economic status, social status, geographic location. Um, and it was a study done by three doctors and I just can't thank them enough. I took the program and she let me interpret it into a little mini ebook. And it's something I come back to often because, you know, it's good reminders of the simple things in life that actually bring you the most happiness over the long term. And so I really appreciate that. And, um, yeah, pretty much my website and Instagram and or you can reach out at straight away with email at info at kimclausen.earth. Those are the best ways. Thank you so much, Kimmy and everyone for taking the time to kick back and be conscious with us. Make sure to follow at The Conscious Cut on your favorite social media platform and share one thing you would like to do to become more sustainable. Then stay tuned for the next episode where we expand our conversation on mental health with a special guest who's on a mission to heal through their craft. Mark your calendars for March 3rd, 2021. Until then, bye world. Bye world.